in the conference of uh, in Florida. So the music is uh, rising in our church pastors in the first row. And so we, we are coming a little bit late, but uh, so we are standing in front of the row, so a little bit of from the row, uh, the chair. So I think Mike, uh, he, he, he is the one to look back to count the chairs. Are we enough? So he, he's a good leader. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for training me well. Thank you, church, for loving me well. Uh, being here uh, in half year, but thank you. Thank you, church family. So uh, if you were here on September the 4th, the first Sunday of September, so you must remember that our dear brother, Matthew Merson, his astonishing testimony. So how God astonish, uh, miraculously saved him from a deadly gunshot. Um, how he wrote a poem uh, to express his, his uh, story, right? It's on the, on the screen. So in the poem, he expressed his wonderful taste of the grace of the Lord. So I will quote the first and the last his poem. Uh, this is uh, Matthew Merson wrote. It wasn't the sound of the gun going off that surprised me. Rather, it was look in his face. The last verse. It wasn't the sound of the gun going off that surprised me. It was the love and forgiveness of God. Wonderful, right? So I bet many of us have a similar experience. Not the gunshot part, but the taste of the glorious of the gospel. I saw your tears when you're listening. Uh, so we all have our own stories, but when God wrote our story into the story, the story of Jesus Christ, we have a truer connection than the blood connection. The Holy Spirit unites us into one body. We have the same feelings. So when he shared, we are, we are all resonating with him. It's so true, so sweet, so glorious. So today, we are going to look at another personal testimony through a psalm, Psalm 116. So if you, uh, you can turn to your, your Bible to Psalm 116, the author has a similar nearly death experience, and in his distress and anguish, he cried out to God, and God saved him. God not only saved him from his impending death, but God also worked deeply, and he created a beautiful heart, and from this beautiful heart overflows this beautiful psalm. So let me read the Psalm 116. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and I please for mercy. Because he inclined, inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on his, him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pounds of shield laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I call on the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. 
Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserved the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his sins. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bounds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So let me pray. Lord, I pray that we all resonate with this song and be encouraged and challenged to cherish, apply, and play. Proclaim, proclaim the gospel more and more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'm going to share two parts. First is the grace of God. The second is the response of the receiver of grace. So first, the grace of God. So look at this summer story. We don't know what exactly happened, but we do know he, his life hung on the line. He was in a terrible situation. Look at verse 3. Here it says, The snares of death encompassed me. The pounds of shield laid hold on me. So this is a typical parallel structure in Hebrew poetry. Basically, the poet says the same thing in different terms. But through parallelism, the meaning is emphasized and the feeling is intensified. So snares literally means ropes. The ropes of death were wrapped around him. So a uh, few weeks ago, um, we went to the Daniel's Island to go for crabbing. So my friend introduced me uh, a kind of trap here. So it made of ropes. We tied a chicken leg. Uh, in the middle and lay on the bottom of the water, so it looks like this. So the crabs smells and then coming for the meat, so we just pull, it's trapped in the net. And it, it struggled, when you pull, he struggled, he's trying to win through, trying to cut, it doesn't work right. So this guy, this guy, like, like one of the traps, Crabs in the trap. So, um, you, he became a prey, a prey of death. Death wrapped its rope around him. She, she may swallow him at any time. 
So how did he feel? He said in verse 3, uh, he said, I suffered distress and anguish. In verse 10, it says, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankinds are liars. So we, we put these clues together. We know that the author not only had a life-threatening situation, probably he also suffered the hurt of betrayal, betrayal from a friend or brother. That's why he said, all mankind are liars. So men will fail you in some way, sometime. But we don't know all the reasons why uh, lead him there. But one of the reasons lead him here may be his made poor decisions. In verse 6, he says, the Lord preserves the simple. So the psalmist counted himself as one of the simple. So the simple in the Bible means foolish, lack of understanding. So in Psalm 19, 7, it says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In Psalm 119, uh, verse 130, it says, the unfold of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So he is humble. He counted as one of the simple, as foolish, lack of understanding. So I think many of us maybe fall into this category. I am one of them. So sometimes I hurt other, others' feelings. I don't know how and why. So that's lack of understanding. That's not a good thing, right? But the Lord, the word of the Lord gives understanding to us. So living in this fallen wor world, whatever you feel to find in your life, you shall not fail to find troubles and sorrows connected to death. We cannot avoid them. There will be a time that something happens and you cannot sleep. There will be a time you think your world is going to fall apart and nobody understands and nobody is there for you. For some, how, how do you do in this kind of dis, distinct, distress and anguish here? Some people, most of the people, turn to others to hurt others or turn to hurt themselves. To hurt others because they think others cause their problems. To hurt themselves because they find a way to escape the anguish they cannot bear. So uh, when I was in university, uh, my first girlfriend broke up with me. I suffer a lot. I think I'm going to die. I don't know. I'm trying my first cigarettes. I'm, I'm smoking. <laughs> Smoke the first, the only cigarette in my life. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> and I, I, I try to hit the tree with my fist so that I'm trying to hurt myself because there's an anguish in my heart. It's more hurting there. So, but the psalmist, not like us, not like me, he, in his distress and anguish, he turned to God. In verse 4, he said, O Lord, I pray, 
deliver my soul. So he, he does not let fear, he does not let anger or despair control his mind. He turned to God. I believe uh, this is not a it's, it's just a brief summary of his prayer. So through the whole Psalms, so King David, most King David, in his suffering and anguish, he told God everything. He told God his fears. He told God his anguish. He told God how his enemies did, did to him. He told God his innocence or his guilty. He told God, he recalled God's saving grace. He recalled God's characters. And he, he also expressed his faith or he expressed his thoughts. So he told God everything. He put all his heart to God. So all these are recorded in the Psalms, the unfallen word of God. So why does God put these Psalms in the Bible? I think one of the reasons I believe God wants us to know, he wants to say to us that no matter what in your heart, you can talk to God. You can talk to me. You can trust him. So you can open your heart, pour out your heart to the Lord, no matter what are there, fears, angers, anguish, despair, doubt, guilt. You talk to him. So if you're like me, uh, sometimes I don't understand my feelings. Or I don't know me, myself. So I don't know how to express my feelings in language. So you can just simply pray this prayer, this simple prayer. Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. God never turn back from this sincere and simple prayer. So God knows you all, all things in your heart. He knows that. And you know what? God is gracious. Look at verse 5 and 6. It says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord is gracious because he gives what you don't deserve. The Lord is right, righteous. He will judge those who act treacherously without cause. They will be put to shame. And the Lord is merciful because the Lord does not give you what you deserve. Even you are simple, you are foolish, you make poor decisions. And that leads, leads you to a desperate situation. And you deserve it. But God, He is merciful. He is rich in mercy. He delights to show mercy. So the Lord does not give you to what you deserve. And I know every one of us, we are not all unfamiliar with the taste of distress and anguish and despair, physically or mentally. In, this moment, in, this, in those moments, we can cry to the Lord. He does not despised or abhorred your afflictions, and he has not hidden his face from you. So nothing can stop your sincere prayer to him in faith. So don't lose your faith in this moment, in those moments. 
So verse 10 tells us that the author is able to pray in this desperate situation is because of his faith. It says, I believed, verse 10, I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. So in his affliction, his faith is there. Maybe he knows God from a kiss, from things a kiss. He, he called the name of the Lord. He called him Yahweh, the, the covenant name. He made covenant with his people, the name. And maybe he learned about the knowledge of God things from his ancestors. But may, maybe he does not have a lively personal relationship with the Lord. But in this moment, the faith and the knowledge to have in his heart and working, the Holy Spirit is working through his faith and drives him to pray, O oh Lord, deliver my soul. And the Lord hurts. Now he's singing. The theology, the doctrine become alive. Lord is not only the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord become his God. The God become his, my God. And he heard my voice. He, incline, he inclined his ear to me. He saved me. So the grace of God drives him to sing this song. The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. You know that our Father wants us to join into this song. He's not satisfied with you that you just have the sound doctrine or you just have good fellowship with each other. He's not satisfied until you have a personal, lively relationship with him. He is pursuing you, and he will not stop working in your life until you can sing this song wholeheartedly. And you know what? In order to get you there, he does not spare his only begotten son, but gave him up for us all. So what else can stop him from finishing it? So in the light of the New Testament, we can join this song with a new meaning. The snares of death encompassed me. The pounds of shield laid hold on me. So literally, this was me. This was you. We used to have no hope, live in vanity, meaningless. That is the end of all mankind. So no matter how much or how little do you have, that is your end. You can take nothing away from you. No matter how strong or how weak physically, that is your end. You cannot escape. And how smart you are, you cannot escape death. We love our kids, 
they are going to die. We're all going to die. So we all used to have the ruined by, by death. So that the Bible says all have to die. So when I was in university, I began to think the meaning of life or the meaningless of life. When everyone, there's a vocation, everyone went, went out to vocation, I alone in the dormitory, I just cried out of nowhere. I cried because the meaning, being meaningless of life, because I'm going to die. I don't know what's the meaning of my life. So, to be or not to be, that is the question. If we were all going to die, what's the point? So, as a atheist, I could not find the answer. My purpose became to pursue the pleasure of this life. And then die, dies. I don't care. It, it has come to come, right? Thank God he pursues me. When I was dead in, trans, in my trespass and sins, God, being rich in mercy, and because of the great love with which he loved me, even when I was dead in, in my trespass, God made me alive together with Christ. Listen, death is the wages of sin. Sin is the sting of death. Sin essentially, essentially is this. You live for your own glory, not for the glory of the one who made you and sustain your life. This is sin. So, according to the Bible, all have sinned and fall short the glory of God. My friend, if you haven't repented your sin and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, the snares of death is compassing you. You are in danger. You are a prey of death, like one of the crab trapped in the night, right? Woke up. Don't be enjoy the chicken leg in the net. Come, humble yourselves before the fact of your death. You are going to die. That's inescapable. Cry to him, Lord Jesus, deliver my soul. Come, humble yourself before the fact of Jesus' death and his resurrection. The one who created you and sustained your life does not spare his own son, but gave him up for you. He showed his love on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, God the Son incarnated in flesh, he paid the wages of your sin. Death lost its sting. If you pray, you humble yourself, you know what? You will join this song with the psalmist. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. And after experiencing the grace of God, the psalmist says in verse 12, he says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? 
This leads to our second point, so the response of the receiver of grace. So, uh, let me read uh, verse 1, 2, and verse 12 and 19 again. Here, verse 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. Verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. So, when I read these verses, I cannot help but thinking of Psalm 50. This is God speaking in, uh, in Psalm 50. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. I think this is exactly what the author is doing here in Psalm 116. He called on the name of the Lord in his trouble. The Lord is faithful and he delivered him. So how should he respond to God? He is offering his grateful love and performing his vows in the house of the Lord. So his God says, God says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform your vows. And here is the psalm that I will give, offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So, do you feel the delight of God? So, imagine that you say to your kids, so, clean the branches in the yard, please. And they say, Dad, you know what? That's what I'm exactly going to do. Oh, I just did it. Would you smile? Wouldn't you smile? That's God will do when the author responds in this psalm. So let's um, look at closely. There's, I will share two points here. So inside his heart, he's full of grateful love. His affection for the Lord has grateful love, grateful love for the Lord. Outside, his action is he pledges to give thanks to God and call on the name of the Lord publicly. So the first one is his affection. So after taste the grace of the Lord, after God saved his life, he couldn't hold his emotion but sing it out in front of God's people. So he he sings, I love the Lord. And he recall God's grace in this song. He keeps repeating God's saving work. Verse 6, he says, When I brought low, he saved me. Verse 8, You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Verse 16, You have loosed my bonds. 
So he is telling his testimony before God's people. We can see this in verse 5. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Our God is merciful. So he's bearing witness the goodness of God in front of a good people, God's people. He cannot be silent. He has to tell people what God did to him. God dealt bountifully with him. So his heart was filled, filled, filled with thanks, thankfulness for the God's saving work. But we all know that our feelings, our emotion, our affections is up and down. Even when the author sings this song, he's struggling with an unrest soul. In verse 7, he is speaking to himself. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. So, when we will not always in a high mode, distress is inevitable, but we can speak truth to our soul. We can recount God's grace and rest in His unchanging grace. So this is a journey. We are all learning and we are all growing. So like the author, when the snare of death encompassed him, fear seized him, but he can do nothing but cry to God. God saved him, but gradually in his life, he learned to trust God in small things, in big things, in his tears, in his stumblings. Toward the end of the psalm, when the author thinks think of death, there is no more fear. In verse 15, the author said, Pressures in the sight of the Lord is the death of his sins. So he's no longer afraid of death because he knows that he belongs to the living God. He sings, O oh Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. So he presents him as a living sacrifice to the Lord. I am the servant. I'm the servant who created the heaven and the earth, the one who sovereignly rules everything, including life and death, and the one who shows his grace to me, and the one who loosed the bonds of death. So I am his. I belong to him. The author, the comfort, his only comfort lies in this. His life belongs to the Lord. His soul only can rest in this truth. So, affection, emotions have power. You will act according to them. I think uh, you, maybe you all know the old uh, classic movie, Sing in the Rain. So, the classic scene. 
Don, the main uh, actor, so fell in love with Cassie, the main actress. So he's singing in the room, in the street. So no, everybody watch him, just singing. He don't care. That's the power of our affection. After tasting the amazing grace, his heart is full of grateful love, and this love drives him to act. So the second, his action. So he pledged to give thanks to God and call on him publicly. So verse 13 to 14 and verse 17 to 19, it begins, I will, I will, I will lift up the cup of salvation. I will pay my vows. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will pay my vows. He's going to do something. The love drives him to act. I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. So this expresses a, a, a salute, um, thankfulness to God. So in a manner of a salute, he offered thankfulness. This is their ceremony um, in, of the congregation. So the psalmist says, he will give thanks to the Lord according to the word of God. And God says that glorifies him. So the first action is give thanks publicly. But the second, call on the name of the Lord. So call on the name of the Lord. Call on this, this word. Usually refers to pray or cry for help. Ask, if, ask for mercy when we are in trouble. So like here in verse 4, the, the author cried, call on the name of the Lord. I pray, deliver my soul. But the Hebrew word call on also refers to proclaim or worship or praise. So this is a common uh, phrase in the Bible. And in the Old and the New Testament, uh, those who belong to God, it's called who call on the name of the Lord. In First Corinthians, that everywhere, everyone who call on the name of the Lord. So, when the psalmist says, "He will call on the name of the Lord as long as he live," he means, "I will worship you alone. I will trust you alone. I will praise you for all the blessings. I will pray for help in my troubles. I will proclaim your deeds and your works." to my families, to my friends, to my people, and among the nations. This is the ultimate purpose of his life, to magnify God with his life. So notice the phrase, in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst of Jerusalem. He doesn't hide God's love. He loves to glorify God by giving thanks to him, and proclaiming his deeds among God's people. And this also comforts, encourages, and inspires God's people so that more thanks, 
more praise and more glory will be given to God. This is his passion. So, when God delivered him from his profound distressing, his heart full of grateful love for the Lord, and he was singing the great deliverance, he pledged to give thanks to the Lord through his obedience and to make the God's name known. In the end, the author invites us to join the sing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, dear friend, we can join the sing because of Jesus. He took the bitter cup so that we can lift up the cup of salvation. He, the only righteous one, died the sinner's death so that we sinners can live. Let us, let this glorious grace, not the gunshot, surprises us each day and motivates us to give thanks to him and proclaim, proclaim his name among the peoples.